I invite you to stand together as we share the reading of God's Word. We'll be looking at 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verses 7-11. through 11. You have that passage before you. And also, uh, in your bulletin is an outline of this morning's message. And I encourage you to go ahead and take that in hand as we look at God's Word together. Would you join with me? Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. This past week and a half, families and Louisiana and families in Virginia woke up to the news that some of their family members had died in one of the dozens of tornadoes that roared through the East Coast about a week or ten days ago. Hundreds of others woke up to the reality that their homes were partially, if not completely, destroyed. A few nights ago, six families were informed that their son or daughter, their mother or father, were among those six people killed by a crazed Uber driver in Michigan who just went on a random shooting spree killing people at will. This past Thursday, three families went into mourning and shock when they discovered that their family member was one of three killed in Kansas by an irate employee who went into his place of work took out his anger and killed innocent people. Somewhere in Noonan, someone in Noonan is going to go to their doctor next week and be told that they have an incurable disease and will likely not live beyond a year. Someone in Noonan will soon discover that their son or their daughter that they thought were doing well and succeeding in school have in fact been shooting heroin the last two months and recently tried to take their own life. A wife is going to discover that her husband of 20 years is cheating on her 
And he wants to end the marriage. Someone in Noonan in the next year is likely to be faced with the reality that even though he has worked with a company for many years and been a faithful employee, he's losing his job, he's going to go through a period of financial hardship, and he's going to be unable to pay his bills. All of these have already or are likely that. One minute your life is great. Things are happy. There are lots of laughter. There are smiling faces. Life is good. And then comes some crisis. A death. A loss. An illness. A breakup. A tragedy. And all of a sudden, your smooth, comfortable, carefree life is body slammed to the ground when it comes face to face with a crisis. What difference does faith make in a situation like that? What difference? If any, does a relationship with God have when life crashes head-on into a crisis? We're taking an honest look at faith. And what we're doing in this series of messages is we're, we're taking faith and we're asking ourselves an honest question. Is faith in God, is Christian faith really something that has power and influence in a positive way in our life? Or is faith nothing more than empty religious sentiment that really has nothing real or substantive to bring to life? Well, you might not be surprised to know that in here at least we're making a case for faith. We're saying faith is hugely important. Yes, faith does make a difference. And we're looking at how faith makes a difference in the various aspects of our life. This morning, we want to ask this question. What difference does faith make, if any, in times of crisis? Does it make any difference at all? Now, one of the things I want to, for us to, to leave here knowing is, is, is this. Faith doesn't always keep us from crisis. But faith keeps us in crisis as we go through. Faith's primary role is not in keeping us out of crisis, keeping crisis from happening, because things are going to happen. But faith is to keep us when crisis comes. And what I want to do this morning is to point out the difference that faith makes. We're going to look at First Peter chapter 5. 
Because in these passages we see what faith does that nothing else can do that enables us to be strong, to wade through difficulty, and to endure times of crisis. Faith does some things that nothing else can do. First of all, faith encourages us to release our worry and our anger and our fear to God. Look at verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. When we go through a crisis, we go through tragedy or loss, we, we need somewhere to vent. We need somewhere to cry, to unload our anger and our worry and our confusion. And faith says... Give all of that to God. Because He cares for you. And there's something amazingly freeing about in the midst of a crisis when we're hurting and broken, there's a freeing experience of of being able to cast our worry and our fear and our pain to God. There's just something about knowing that on the other end of that pain and that worry and anxiety is a God who loves us and who wants to help us. And so faith says, cast all of that worry to God. <clears throat> Several years ago, I got a frantic phone call in the middle of the night from a family of uh, the congregation I was serving at the time. <clears throat> Apparently, the eight-year-old daughter, when she'd gone to bed that night, had used a heating pad to release some pain in, in her leg. The heating pad malfunctioned. You caught the mattress on fire. Fire spread to the curtains. Fortunately, the mother and the father, the son and the daughter, all four got out of the house safely. But by the time I got there, I stood with that family as we watched everything they owned in the world go up in smoke. I mean, their house by now was completely engulfed in flames. And I don't remember the specifics of the prayer, but these were God-loving people, and they were faithful people. And so even though, like I said, I don't remember the specifics of the prayer, but I vividly remember us joining hands together in the dark middle of the night, and we prayed together, and yes, they confessed their anger, their confusion, their uncertainty about, God, we don't understand this, we don't know what's going to happen next, but they also confessed something very important. They said, Lord, we know you care about us. We know you love us. And so we don't know what's going to happen in the morning or the next day or the next, but we're going to trust that this is not going to defeat us. You are with us, and we're going to give ourselves to you and just pray, Oh God, please be faithful. See us through this. That's what faith does. It prompts us to cast all our anxiety on Him. Your crisis may not be watching your house burn to the ground. Your crisis might be watching a loved one slipping away. Your crisis might be watching a marriage go up in smoke. Your crisis may be watching a son or daughter self-destruct. 
Your crisis may be an illness that is robbing you of your strength. Whatever your crisis is, faith says, you don't have to go through this alone. God loves you. He cares about you. And He wants you to bring your worry, your anxiety, and give them over to Him. Now the key word in that sentence is the word care. You see, when we know that there's a God who genuinely genuinely cares about us, then we can very readily cast all our anxiety upon Him. And that brings a peace and a strength into our lives like nothing else can. I read recently of uh, Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. They did a study of patients who suffer from clinical depression. And they discovered an interesting fact. They discovered that, that the patients who had a genuine belief in a God who cared about them. Not just belief in God, but patients who had a belief that God cared for them were 75% more likely to respond to the medication. The scientists wrote, the study found that those with strong belief in a personal, caring God were more likely to experience improvement. That's great to hear, but we don't need science to tell us that. We've known that for a long time, haven't we? We sing it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. That's the first thing faith does. In times of crisis, he says, look, you cast all your worry, your anxiety, on the God. And here's the second thing faith does. It encourages us, it instructs us to remain faithful to God in the crisis. Look at verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. You see, a crisis can leave us confused. A a crisis can muddle our thinking. It it can take our minds off of God. Faith says, stay focused, keep alert, be listening for what God might want you to do in this crisis. You see, when we do the first one, when we release our anxieties over to God, God responds with something like this. God says, thank you. I really appreciate you giving me these worries. But let me tell you what. I've got it. I've got this. Now, while I'm working on these concerns that you brought to me, here's what I want you to do. While I'm working to bring healing into that broken son or daughter, that rebellious son or daughter of yours. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to find ways every single day to let them know that you love them. Encourage them. Give them a phone call. Write them a note just to tell them how much you believe in them and how precious they are to God and to you. God says, listen, when it comes to uh, you've handed over this cloud of financial debt, I've got this. While I'm working on that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, practice better stewardship of your money. Don't buy everything you see just because you think you've got to have it. You know, find a, find a financial counselor in town. Give them a phone call. Make an appointment. Go see them. God says, listen, while I'm working on this addiction that controls you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a treatment center that, that helps people with the problems you have. Make an appointment. Schedule a, schedule a meeting. You go and you get some treatment. God says, listen, while I'm working on, on helping you get over the, the, the pain of, of losing a spouse... Here's what I want you to do. Get involved in your church. Find something you can do where you can pour yourself into the lives of others so you're not uh, always just feeling sorry for yourself. God says, listen, while I'm working on this disease that that you have come to me about, you're worried about, you let me handle that. While I'm doing that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to take care of your body. Listen to your doctor's advice. Do what your doctor says to do. Eat right. But then remember this. Even with all that, your body is mortal. It's not going to last forever. But you and I will spend eternity together regardless. And you remember that. Faith keeps you listening to and being open to what God wants from you in the crisis. Here's the third thing faith does. It helps us resist giving up on God. When we get through a crisis, when some hardship comes, first temptation a lot of us have is to turn our backs against God. Look at verse 8 and 9. Like a roaring lion, your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. They said that lions will attack... Animals that are sick or young or struggling. They'll choose the victims that have been separated from the herd. Therefore, they're alone and vulnerable. Sometimes crises that we go through leave us vulnerable and broken. Faith kicks in. And keeps us from giving up on God. You might remember this tragedy a few years ago. I think it was 2001. Jim and Veronica Bowers, they were missionaries in Peru. And one day, uh, they were flying in a little Cessna plane back from Colombia to Peru. They'd gone to Colombia to pick up some supplies. They were headed back to their base in Peru. And along the way, uh, their plane was mistaken by the Peruvian Air Force to be a drug smuggler's plane. And without warning, all of a sudden, their plane came under attack. Gunfire is everywhere. Bullets are entering the, the plane. A single bullet came through the window, 
hit Veronica, his wife, and their one-year-old daughter whom she was holding. And a single bullet killed both of them instantly. Their six-year-old son, Corey, was not injured. The pilot of the plane, a friend of theirs, was badly wounded and couldn't fly the plane anymore, so Jim was not wounded, and he took over control of the plane, which was now badly battered by the gunfire, and, and struggled to, to land it and crash-landed into the river below. He spent the next 30 minutes wading through the water, trying desperately to get his wife's dead body and the one-year-old daughter's body and Corey and the pilot and dragged them to dry land. It was a horrible, horrible experience. A few months later, after I'd heard about that, I thought, I thought about Jim Bowers. You know, what would I do in a situation like that? I didn't know Jim Bowers. I'd never met him in my life, but I, I just felt, I, I wanted to talk to this guy. So I tracked him down. I, I gave him a phone call, and he was gracious enough to give about 30 minutes to be on the phone. And I said, Jim, I just, first of all, I just want to call you as a brother in Christ let you know I'm praying for you. What a, what a tragic thing you've gone through. So how are you dealing with all that? And he said, Stuart, obviously I went through a period of time in those first few days of anger and resentment, and I shouted out at God, I said, God, I've left the comfort of the United States. I've gone to this jungle in Peru. I've given my life to serving you. And you take my wife, and you take our one-year-old baby, what's the deal? What's that about? And I came real close to it just to, to turn it completely on God all the way. But he said, you know what? My faith wouldn't let me do that. Faith kept me from giving up on God. And, and here's what I discovered. My wife, if you had known her, you would know that her greatest goal in life was to win as many people as she possibly could to Jesus. Uh, that's what drove her. That's what motivated her. She, she wanted everybody in the world to know the Lord. During this time when she was killed, she was reading that little book, The Prayer of Jabez. Now, I remember that because I was reading the book too. And if you've read the book, you know that part of the prayer of Jabez is this uh, quote or this prayer that, that asks God to expand your territory. In other words, give me more opportunities to have a greater witness and influence in the world. And he said, Stuart, I'm not blaming God for any of this, but I have to tell you that uh, in an in a awkward, difficult, painful kind of way, God is using this experience. He has expanded Veronica's territory beyond anything she could ever imagine. And as I go across the country now, talking to people about what has happened to her, what happened to us, we got people being motivated to go into the mission field. we got people coming to the altar, giving their lives to Christ. He said, Stuart, I, I just the other day came from the White House. I had an opportunity to meet with President Bush. And President Bush and I knelt at his desk in the Oval Office and we prayed together. He said, I would have never had any kind of opportunity like that. But because of this tragedy, my wife, her witness and her testimony is winning far more people to Christ than she could have ever if this hadn't happened. How do you explain that? How do you explain a man experiencing that kind of hardship going back to still doing it? 
Only faith can enable a person who experiences that kind of crisis to keep on. And and that's what your faith is designed to do. Whatever your crisis is, your faith says, I know this is tough, I know this is difficult, but trust me, the worst thing you could do is to to give up on God. Don't do it. And you know why? You know why faith tells you to keep on believing and, 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 and trusting? It's because of the truth of the very next thing we're going to talk about. Look at them before. Here's what faith does. It reminds us that God can and will restore us. Look at verse 10. The God of grace will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Folks, that is not merely a statement. That is a promise. That's what faith does. It keeps you connected to a God who over time is going to restore you and strengthen you and make you even stronger than ever before. That little 12-year-old boy in that family as we watched his house burn to the ground had to have been a traumatizing experience for a little 12-year-old boy. Today that 12-year-old little boy is a grown man. He's a pastor, United Methodist pastor in this conference, serving God's purpose. He may be your pastor one day, and he might tell you that story himself. Jim Bowers, continuing today to serve Christ, in ministry. You see, when faith is involved, no crisis has the ability to defeat you because faith keeps you connected to the God who sustains you. Therefore, when faith is involved, no breakup is going to break you. No loss is going to destroy you. No tragedy is going to conquer you. No disaster is going to deplete you because God will, that's His promise, God will strengthen you and sustain you and restore you. Reinhold Niebuhr, years ago, wrote a prayer that has become pretty popular. We know part of it. It's called the serenity prayer. You know it. It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. For some reason, most of us have never seen the rest of the prayer. It goes like this. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. 
trusting that He will make all things right if I surrender to His will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Him forever in the next. That's a prayer that understands the difference that faith makes. That it keeps us connected to the God who restores, who promises to see us through. Does faith make a difference? Absolutely. I want to conclude this morning with uh, praying for those of us who, who may be at a point of some crisis right now. I, I know that uh, sometimes crises not only are they difficult, but many times they're personal, they're private, and they're not things that you just generally talk to other people about. And so... Uh, the altar is here this morning. If you're in some crisis and you'd like to come forward and spend some moments in prayer, that's, that invitation is given. But being sensitive to the fact that some of us might prefer just to stay right where we are, and uh, we're not necessarily interested in our neighbor knowing our crisis, but we need for God to know about it. I want to ask, I want to pray for you. So I want to ask the altars now. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. And even if you're not in a point of, of crisis uh, right now, be thinking of someone you know that might be. Oh God, I just come to you this morning and we, Lord, we desperately need to know. There's some of us in particular. Some crisis has entered our life. Some disappointment, some heartache, some tragedy. And um, God, we are about at our wit's end. Oh God... I pray for that person this morning who who's hurting, who's desperate, who feels like all their energy has been drained from them. Oh God, I pray, and I don't know, Lord, I don't know who these persons are. You do, so Lord. I just pray right now that that faith. That, that faith that they have, even though they, they may feel that it's a small, small little faith maybe right now. Whatever faith they have, Lord, Lord, may that faith prompt them to say, you know what? If you hadn't already done so, you need to, you need to give this over to God. You need just to cast all your worry and anxiety before Him. Lord, I, I pray that for those of us who are in the midst of some crisis, if perhaps we have grown confused and we're not as alert as we need to be. And so, Lord, maybe, uh, maybe we need to, our faith to prompt us, not just to release, but to... Help us to be more alert in understanding and seeking God's will. God, what is it you want me to do? 
know, God, for the person whose uh, crisis has reached a point where they just don't know if they can go on any longer and they're ready just to throw in the towel and forget you and forget faith and everything else. Oh, God, please. May that faith rise up within them and cause them, whatever they do, not to give up on you. God, help them to understand. Help them to realize that, that in time, even though it may not seem possible right now, in time, you will restore them. You will strengthen and sustain them through this crisis, whatever it is. And there's going to come a day, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe sometime later, there's going to come a day if they persevere in their faith where smiling is going to come natural again. The sun's going to shine again and they'll know what it means to laugh. Until that time, Lord, just hold them. May their faith keep them close to you. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of knowing that we can bring whatever is burdening us, hand it off to you. And as we listen and follow your will, amazing things can happen. We pray for any, of the, any brokenness that's here this morning. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do to hold that person up. Oh God, as always, we pray in the name and spirit of Christ, who himself said, Come to me. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, it's in His name and in His Spirit that we pray.